I want to speak to you about this matter of wine. By the way, uh, wine in the Bible, if you look at a huge, big Webster's Dictionary, it's good to do that at times when you don't know the etymology of a word, you don't know where it comes from or where it's going and uh, where they derived it. Some words, they don't even know where in the world they came from, to tell you the truth. They're not from French, Old French, or this or that or the other. But this word wine that is used in the Bible, it, it, it really re- refers to jelly, grape jelly, and different things, current, even current. And uh, then it applies also to uh, the pure fruit of the vine, as well as in connotation. You always need to look in the Bible and see the connotation of the, uh, and that which comes before and after it. Don't ever take a verse out of context. And uh, like the Lord Jesus, I believe that that which was there at the communion, I do not believe it was fermented juice. I just don't believe it was at all. And uh, that which was uh, brought there and Jesus created at the, at the wedding, I do not believe it was fermented juice. It says after they'd well drunken. And there's many reasons I hold to that. But when you see the word wine, you, you really need to realize that, that that stood for the pure uh, grapes, you know, they just they get up there and they used to, with their feet, they get up there and there with their feet and they'd squeeze them all out of the wine press and so forth. And it's pure juice. I hope they washed their feet before. <laughs> but anyhow, uh, and I know there are great and good and godly commentators that, that differ with me on this. And yet I just, uh, it says don't even look at it when it's, when it's moving itself and it's, it's uh, doing things. By the way, I need to clarify this as well. It says, they that tarry long at the wine. They had to tarry long at the wine in the Bible days to get drunk. Hello? It was not as strong a fermentation with the distillation and everything we have today. It's unbelievable. The beer and the, and the uh, vodka... And all the other things are just so strong. Uh, and you need to know that as well. That uh, in those days that it was not as strong. And so they had to tarry there a long time to even get drunk. But we in America, the safe thing is to stay away from it. And uh, do what the Bible says. And the Bible has a lot to say about alcohol. We're going to consider it tonight. It has a lot to say about drunkenness. It has a lot to say about consumption of wine and uh, I, I think we've only that I know of in all my uh, time of pastoring and, and preaching I've only known of one fellow and he wasn't in this church and he left this church I don't even know why he left or whatever but I know one thing he went to all of our people and went to all of our single soldiers he was married and we, I kind of liked the guy but he was wrong on alcohol and it, it was getting to the place where we were going to go up to him and just say, listen, you either be quiet about this or move down the road. You cannot be talking to our fellows about this alcohol consumption. He just had to tell everybody what he thought, and what he thought was not wise, very unwise, and it's not what we believe. By the way, the, the little, here's what we believe, and I just spell it out to you. By the way, this is the Southern Baptist Convention Uh, church covenant. I'm just reading this little part of it now, and we hold to this as well. 
And by the way, I heard that they, I know that they took this out of the General Association of Regular Baptists because I read theirs and they left it out. Up in Al Dickerson's church in Maranatha, he had some of them and they'd left it out. And I think that's very unwise to do that. I believe like this. This means there's a lot, our teenagers can't have a lot of jobs. Can't work at a lot of places. And I know what it's saying, but here it says, uh, let's see if I can get it here. Here it is. It says here, backbiting and excessive anger. To abstain from the sale of, sale of, and use of destructive drugs or intoxicating drinks as a beverage. By the way, they added the destructive drugs recently. And then to shun pornography. To be zealous in our efforts to advance the kingdom of our Savior. And I believe that. I, I, there's a, I remember even to the point of, of tobacco when I, was at, uh, when I was down at the university and, and I was in training and I had to get a job, a part-time job, just make ends meet. I was getting my GI Bill, which took care of most of everything, but I still had a family. And I went in, I was filling out this form. And I'm terrible. Oh, I was terribly slow then. I hope I'm not quite as bad as I was then. I always get my wife. I said, "Here, fill this out." My secretary, yeah, pray for my wife. Anyhow, anyhow. Uh, so here I was doing this, and then it dawned on me, as it was to fill, go around with a vehicle and fill these different machines up, you know, with candy and and all bubble gum and all that other stuff. And and then I I got oh, I mean, I'd spent quite a bit of time on this form. And then I asked the secretary, I said, uh, I won't have to put cigarettes in there, will I? She said, oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, I said, I'm wasting your time and my time, too. Because I promised God a long time ago I would not handle uh, cigarettes or alcohol, either one. And then I remember another time when a, when a, a commander, uh, I think he was a captain or maybe it was more than that, I don't know, I thought he was a commander, and he, he that's in the Navy, and he threw down... He threw down a quarter. That's when cigarettes were 25 cents a pack. He said, would you go uh, please up there and, and get me a, uh, a pack of camels, old gold, I don't know what they were, old gold, old, old rock, I don't know what it was. Anyhow, and so I picked it up because I was used to obeying orders. Walked outside and stopped. <laughs> and then I came back in. It was very embarrassing to me because I was used to obeying orders. I said, sir, if it'd be all right, I'd appreciate if you don't require me to do that. I promised God a long time ago I would not handle cigarettes or alcohol. All right. Go get your own. <laughs> no, anyhow, anyhow, uh, but he was gracious. and didn't, didn't in, uh, force me and it probably brought a little conviction to his heart. So when you stand, it does right. But uh, God will help you. And uh, but there's some things I won't, I won't do that other people will do. Do you think it's right when a man gets, gets, gets saved and he's on a big Budweiser truck? I think he needs to quit his job as soon as possible. I think for Christians to discourage him because he has to support his family is pretty stupid. Hmm? You say, well, he'll go bankrupt. We don't want him bankrupt with heaven. Amen? Or with the Lord. And so... Uh, by the way, in our introduction, our president, George W. Bush, met with uh, two dear brothers, Clarence Sexton, I believe it was, and met with um, the Open Door Church there. Who's that one there now, Brother Walton? 
Norris Belcher. Norris Belcher was the one that told me this down in uh, Baytown at a sort of the Lord conference. And Norris Belcher said that he and Clarence Sexton were invited to the president, uh, a meeting by George W. Bush. And it was about a certain thing. And he came in. Of course, they all, you know, rose and everything. He was set. We, we were real close to the president there. They have pretty large churches. And he invited all these ministers of the gospel. And he was supposed to deal with a certain issue about religion, and he never did. He spent 45 minutes telling how he used to be an al- uh, alcoholic and how he got saved and how he's serving the Lord. And uh, you don't hear about all these, these, these stories about uh, George W. Bush leading, leading young boys, teenagers to the Lord on the telephone and everything else and having prayer with them. And every- <laughs> if some of that stuff's not true. And then on top of that, just before the, right during the time of the, uh, witches, when we were fighting the witches and the witchcraft, a lady who was a Tennessee Temple and a Bob Jones, she'd been at both colleges, Christian colleges, and she came here, a believer, and she said, I just interviewed the governor, George W. Bush, the governor of Texas, before he went to the presidency, and I interviewed him about his family, and she said, I believe he's definitely a born-again Christian. Now, he should be an independent Baptist, but we'll give him a little leeway. We'll give him a little time, all right? And, uh, but anyhow, uh, here he told the whole 45 minutes he never got to what he, he brought them there to talk to him about these, these well-known and these pastors of large churches. They were just unbelievably impressed. And so, uh, but thank the Lord at, at this time, as far as I know, he's not involved with alcohol and he's not a drunk anymore. Aren't you glad? It says, and such were some of you, but you're washed. Brother Grab just told me last night. I was talking to him yesterday or the day before. I think that's when they invited me out to their house to eat. Appreciate that. Good meal. And uh, as he was talking to me, I was saying what we need often in our Christian schools, and they used to have way back years ago, is little old maids and uh, young maids. And Joe Grab said, he said, yes, I had a first grade teacher who was a little old maid, but she was killed in an auto accident by a drunken driver. Just his first grade teacher. And then I thought about Dr. Harold B. Seitler. And he, he hated alcohol. He just was against it so much. His little daughter, his, oh, one of his little daughters, there was another, he had another uh, daughter, but this daughter died, and his wife was maimed up some. But she was killed by a a drunken driver. And then Mrs. Bowen, who sat there in Farmville, North Carolina, in our our pre-service time on Sunday night when we had our soul-winning class. And here we were leading each other to the Lord going through this. So we would better know how to deal with other people out there. And Mrs. Bowen got saved right during the time that we were going through over the plan of salvation. But a few years later... She was killed in an automobile accident by a drunken driver. Out into eternity! How do you think her two twin daughters, Marilyn and and Carolyn, felt when their mother was snatched out? And he lived. He lived. And then what about your own pastor? I was going down the highway, going to Fort Hood, right into the Fort Hood, the main exit of... uh, No, we were coming out. We were coming out of Fort Hood, the main uh, uh, exit there, 
And lo and behold, coming right at us is an automobile going the wrong way, right in front of us. We could see him quite a ways up there. Somehow he'd come in on the, the, the wrong way on the exit from Willow Springs. And he was coming the wrong way. Wow, but we could see him way. I said, what's that guy doing? Thank the Lord he wasn't going too extremely fast. And here he is coming right at us, though. And we were trying to definitely avoid him. And somehow his car went right over to the, the guardrail and stopped. He, just, he was so drunk that he just fell asleep at the wheel. Thank the Lord his foot, when he fell asleep, wasn't going faster than it could have been. He could have run right into us and no more Pastor Harvey or Jose Astolaza either, a teenager. And he went over there and the car stopped at the guardrail but kept revving, kept revving, and the car started on fire. Some other people jumped out of their, their pickup truck. He had his windows up. He was going to die in the car. The car started smoking. And so they took, a, took something and they had a pickup truck, smashed the, the window, drugged the guy out of there, and saved his life. I'm telling you, just a sad thing. How many of you know anybody that uh, died or were maimed up from a, uh, a wreck? How many of you all know anybody like that? I see too many hands. I see way too many hands out there. Well, let me see how many it was. One, two, three, four, five, six. I'm seeing adults too. Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. One would have been too many. That's too many. And people are going to try to justify alcohol, consumption of alcohol. I'm telling you, sad situation. That's what I want to talk to you about tonight. But I want to, I want to speak to you from the Bible, from the Word of God. The Bible has a lot to say about it. Turn to Jeremiah 35, verse 5 uh, through 10 and 14 through 19 with me, please. Jeremiah, this is where we are in our family devotions I hope you're somewhere in your family devotions. If not, start again. Encourage yourself. I hope you're somewhere. I'm over in, let's see, Job. I'm over in Job, and I'm, by the way, that's where I'm getting my sermons from, either our family devotions or my personal devotions. And uh, by the way, you need to have the Word of God on your heart. Brother Buhorn, you should notice that fellow that we were talking to him, we were getting somewhere. When I started quoting Scripture to him, all of a sudden, what had been planted in his heart by his preacher grandfather just seemed like... That. Then, then he said, oh, maybe I'll come and hear you preach. Not my fancy words. The Word of God is what, what arrests people. When you go over there and witness to somebody, open the Bible up. I've talked to some people, get nowhere, and all of a sudden I open the Bible up and the presence of God accompanies the Word of God. Now, that's not always the case, but it's the Word of God. That'll do the job. And just give the word. That's the same way with those two boys tonight, 18 or 19-year-old fellows. One went to Pershing Park a great deal. The word of God. I just kept quoting the word of God. And every one, did you notice that one guy, he'd look up at me every once in a while. He hadn't heard any of that. I asked him later. I said, I said, how much, have you heard much of this before? He acted like, no, I haven't heard, 
hardly any of it. All it was was Bible. And then I told him, I said, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. I really should have got my handcuffs out and compelled them. They made me to come. We invited him to come to the service here. And uh, who knows? And the one fellow said, well, how are you supposed to be dressed? You know what the answer is? You dress in the best you have. I said, you could come just like you are. And one fellow said, well, I wouldn't even do that. I need to be dressed nicer than that. That's a good idea, too. I didn't say, oh, no, come as you are, just go, you know, and push it. But I said, just wear, wear the best you have. We're coming in the presence of the God of glory. Amen? And we need to be acceptable to him. And just do, do your best, but pray for those young men. The word of God is so wonderful and powerful. All right, you're in 20, uh, 35, 35. This is about Rachel, the Rachabites and Jonadab. And uh, so let's stand for a moment here again. We already threw, uh, threw the introduction to the message. And, you know, this, just with all those hands, I really didn't expect that many hands to go up. I really did not expect 20 hands to go up. That's too many, isn't it? Oh, my. You know what that means? By the way, uh, my son, Stephen, um, he, he was asking me last night. He said, Dad, I was going to go out and take my family out to eat. And then he said, I prayed about it the second time. And then I told my wife, we're not going out to eat. He says, am I, am I crazy, Dad? He said, we do go out once a week. This was with all the kids. And he said, we all had the coupons and everything. But I thought, after I prayed the second time, I didn't think we should go. I said, you can't pray too much, Steve. I wish some other people were calling me, asking me about that. <laughs> Amen? need to pray more. Pray about everything. Because your loved one might get in that vehicle and ride off over here. My wife almost got killed over at Luby's the other day uh, when they, that guy drove through there. She went over to Piccadilly's instead. Just have a little salad. And she just sat right where that guy drove through there. I often think about that. Louis Carabella was shot there and almost killed. Twenty-some people were killed and forty-some were injured by that maniac. You better pray about everything you do. Pray about it when you get in the car. Pastor Ebern always used to say, we're, we're, we're getting ready for our trip. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Ask the Lord for safety. Much more dangerous than getting into an airplane. Automobiles. Very dangerous. Jeremiah 35. Pray about everything. I want to read verse 5 through verse 10. Follow with me, please, as we look at the Holy Scriptures. And I set before the sons of the house of the Rechabites pots full of wine and cups. And I said unto them, Drink ye wine. But they said, We will drink no wine. For Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father commanded us, saying, Ye shall drink no wine, neither ye nor your sons, forever. Neither shall ye build houses, nor sow seed, nor plant vineyards, nor have any. But all your days ye shall dwell in tents, that ye may live many days in the land where ye be strangers. Thus, have we obeyed the voice of Jonadab, the son of Rachab, our father, in all that he hath charged us to drink no wine all our days? That's the first thing mentioned as well. In all these other things about houses and everything else, the thing you need to really major on is the, the, wine, the wine situation. Do you get that? 
Follow with me now. It says, Our wives, our sons, or our daughters, nor to build houses for us to dwell in, neither have we a vineyard, nor field, nor seed, but we will dwell in tents and have obeyed and done according to all that Jonadab our father commanded us. Now to verse 14. The words of Jonadab, the son of Rachel, that he commanded his sons not to drink wine are performed. For unto this day they drink none, but obeyed their father's commandment. Notwithstanding, I have spoken unto you, rising early and speaking, but ye hearken not unto me. I have sent also unto you all my servants, the prophets, rising early and sending them, saying, Return ye now every man from his evil way and amend your doings. And go not after other gods to serve them, and ye shall dwell in the land which I have given to you and to your fathers. But ye have not inclined your ear nor hearkened unto me, because the sons of Jonadab, the, the son of Rachel, have performed the commandment of their father, which he commanded them. But this people hath not hearkened unto me. Therefore thus saith the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring upon Judah and upon all the inhabitants of Jerusalem all the evil that I have pronounced against them, because I have spoken unto them, but they have not hearkened. And I have called unto them, but they have not answered. And Jeremiah said unto the house of the Rechabites, Get this now, listen. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Because ye have obeyed the commandment of Jonadab your father, and have kept all his precepts and done according to unto all that he hath commanded you. Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab, the son of Rechab, shall not want a man to stand before me forever. Our Father, bless the word of God. Help us to see the destructiveness of alcoholic beverage Wine consumption. May we stick with soft drinks instead of hard drinks, our Father. Lest we be involved in something that would cause someone else's life to be taken away. And so offend our great God and our holy Lord God of heaven, the Lord of hosts. May we obey the scriptures. May we obey the spirit of the scriptures as well. We'll give thee praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. If you would look in Judges chapter 13, verse 4, 7, and 14, you'll see there that Samson was a Nazarite. His mother was told by God Almighty, by an angel sent from God, not to partake of any fruit of the vine at all. And that her son should never partake ever of the fruit of the vine, Samson. And you know, it just isn't that something? He began to deliver the children of Israel out of the hands of the Philistines. And the Philistines are always, in my opinion, a type of the flesh, like Amalek. They're always, weren't they always popping up, always causing trouble? The Philistines, the Philistines with David. Oh, all the way through, seems like. Trouble. Amalek, and then the Philistines. And so he began to deliver them. But he was the greatest 
I mean, he was the strongest man that ever lived. I don't know how many times, if not, it's not mentioned as much of him as almost anyone else in the Bible that he was filled with the Spirit. I mean, he had power with God. He was the strongest man that ever lived outside of, of course, our lovely Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. They even have, I saw some the other day, Samsonite luggage. Strong luggage. They used to say you could just jump on that stuff. They get that from Samson. It says, for the child shall be a Nazarite from the womb to the day of his death. All his days. And the Nazarites, most of them, I believe most of them were not all their days, but they could just be a, take on the Nazarite vow for a period of time. And even the, even the females, it mentions that about them, they're somewhere in the scriptures as well. And so, what about, what about Noah? Genesis 9, verse 21 and 24. He got drunk after he got off the ark. He was in the ark for a whole year, preserved of God, protected by God. Kept alive by God, and he becomes a husbandman, and he, he grows the, the uh, grapes, and he makes the wine, and he gets drunk. And his sons, you remember, and he became naked. By the way, nakedness often comes from drunkenness. You look at when Moses came off of the mountain. They were naked to their shame. And they were drinking. I'm sure they were drinking. Oh, my. Terrible. But here, getting back, to, uh, getting back to Noah, it says that, that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But then when his sons, his two sons saw his nakedness, the implication is here, don't look on the nakedness of your father. We're not a bunch of mules and horses and dogs and hogs. We're, we're God's creation. And they looked on their father naked because he had gotten drunk. Japheth and Shem didn't look, Canaan came in first, I mean, Ham came in first. And then what did it say? Cursed be Canaan of Ham, a servant of servants shall he be. And you remember what the two brothers did, Japheth and, and uh, Shem, and they walked backward. They took a sheet or some kind of a blanket or something, and they didn't want to look at their father's nakedness that their brother Ham had told them about. And instead of, we don't know what he did, but he was not respectful, we know that. And he went back, backward and covered up their father's nakedness. Didn't want to look at their father's nakedness. Modesty would be good even for men, wouldn't it, fellas? As well as the women. And so, what? They were blessed. They were enlarged and blessed. But cursed be Canaan of Ham. A servant of servants shall he be. Looked on his father's nakedness and did not. But what? He shouldn't have got drunk and he wouldn't have been naked. Terrible. Then Lot. What about Lot? He gets out of Sodom. Mrs. Lot didn't get out of Sodom. She became a pillar of Well, she got out, but she became a pillar of salt, a monument to worldliness and wanting to look back at the things of the world and loving the things of the world instead of the things of another world, heavenly things. He got out of Sodom, but what happened? Somehow they brought something with them. When they left so much in a hurry, it seems like they gathered up the, the whiskey bottles or whatever they, the, the uh, wine bottles or whatever. Because up there when they went up, you recall, in the cave or whatever in the world they were in, 
He said, it's a little one. By the way, in our text of Scripture, they had houses there down there, did they not? Lot had houses, and Abraham was staying in a tent. And even the ark of God, later on, the ark was what? It was in a tent until they built the temple. The God of Abraham was with him in the tent more than the God of, Ab- uh, God of Abraham was with Lot there down in that wicked city in those houses. So don't think that Jonadab didn't know what he was talking about when he gave them this instruction. And then he said they can't sow seed either, didn't he? Huh? That'll sure keep your crowd... He'd already told them not to drink, not to drink wine, right? Any wine. So make sure they don't, they don't be growing, uh, they're not growing vines and having grapes that they could get drunk on. Just stay away from it. You say, it's extreme. Well, sometimes you have to be extreme. It says, that, it says they obeyed their father, Jonadab, and God blessed them for it. I don't know anybody that's ever been not blessed from staying away from alcohol. But I know a lot of people that have been cursed by being too light about it. Tried to feed that junk to me down there in the basement where they're playing cards over there at Thunder Bay, Canada and our family get-togethers. Yeah, they always do their meanness down in the basement. The men, don't they? Try to feed you some beer, you know. Some people say, oh, you shouldn't be against playing cards. Well, just leave me alone. I'm against everything that might, be, might even look like it's, against, it's not right in God's eyes. If people ever preached against it years ago, I think it probably something wrong with it today. I had a, a brother to my grandfather, Alfred. And I heard in his youth, he took, the, took a bunch of playing cards and threw them in the fire and said, the devil's in these cards. When he died, that's what I thought about. I should have brought it up at his funeral. Don't you think that the old Methodist church that he was in years ago probably was against it? I'm talking about way back. Well, what happened to Lot's daughters? Lot's daughters got their own father drunk and had incest with him. And what a mess. And you come up with Moab and Ammon. The enemies of Israel, what a mess. Just, just, a, just a, a sin by both daughters, both. What a mess. Hello, you know the, know the story. But that would have never happened if Lot had not got drunk. Wake up, Christian. That would have never happened. I do not believe that would have happened had Lot not been drunk. That's the last you hear of Noah until you hear about him in another part of the Bible. It seems like it's the last you hear of of Lot until you hear about him in the New Testament. Oh, it'll be the death of you, that alcohol. Wine is a mocker, it says in Proverbs 20, verse 1. You want something mocking at you? Wine is a mocker. 
One of, the, one of Job's comforters mocked him. He said, he said, mock on. Who wants to be mocked? That's what alcohol do to you. It'll make you naked to your shame and then mock you. It'll make you run into some person who's an innocent person, even a good Christian, and you'll kill them with your automobile just as well as you, didn't, as you did with a, with a gun. And it'll mock you. They that tarry long at the wine, I said that before. It says, look not thou upon the wine, Proverbs twenty two thirty one. Don't even look at it when it moves itself, when it starts fermenting and it turns color. Don't even look at it. And Jonadab said, don't even plant, plant it, amen. Stay away from it. It's dangerous. In Proverbs 31, 4, it says, It is not for kings to drink wine, O Lemuel. If it's not for kings, and we are priests and kings, are we not? A royal priesthood! Stay away from that stuff. It's not for kings to drink wine, lest we pervert judgment. Unless those other verses after that bother you a little bit, they didn't have the medications that we have today, and to tell you the truth, that was part of their medicine, to say the least. But I, we already told you just in the last few weeks about a preacher that used to be on that. Then he got saved, and the doctor encouraged him to drink a glass of wine a day. And a well-known preacher had a, way over a 1,000 in his church attendance, had a Bible college, he was over, a, over the Fundamental Baptist, Fellowship, uh, Fundamental Baptist Fellowship, one of them. The FBF, I think it was. He edited a couple books. Pastor Hammonds even read one of them while he was in the hospital. One of our girls are reading one now. My wife was saved under his ministry. What would you think about Pastor Harvey? If I started listening to some heathen doctor, I don't care if he calls himself a Christian. Don't you give me any wine to drink. Especially, 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 but no. You know, he'd had the problem before. It just broke my heart when I heard about it. You know, there are so many people that will never go to church again who, who were part of him and had, had high, high uh, look for that pastor, and they'll never serve God like they ought to again. Same thing happened with Jimmy Swaggart and Jimmy Baker. Whether they were crooks all the way along or not, it matters not. A lot of people quit serving God. And it was harder to go soul winning door to door after those men fell. Oh, if that's a Christian, I don't want anything to do with it. Don't you tell me. I went there to, their, to people's doors. I have always been knocking on doors since the day I got saved and giving out these gospel tracts. I plan to do it till I, till I can't even walk, amen? And get into a wheelchair and then just push me around and I'll still give them out. And those people are coming out there to stop me. I'll ask somebody to run them over with my, with my wheelchair, break their leg and they'll never forget me or their foot. No, I'm a nice fellow most of the time. Don't tell me I can't give out the word of God. I'll give it out anyhow. Oh, is it not sad? We don't live to ourselves. We don't die to ourselves. Whether we live, therefore, we live unto the Lord. 
Whether we live there for or die, we are the Lord's. I'm a purchased possession. He purchased me with his blood. And I have no right to tell God what I should drink or what I should eat. I should do what God wants me to do. And the wise Christian never, never sanctions any of that alcohol. It's dangerous. It'll ruin you, fellow. What an example, you, poor example you'll be to your children, to all your relatives, to all your friends. By the way, I thank God that they're still printing these. This is the convention. Says Broadman and Holman. Holman, Holman Publishers. I'm telling you. Thank God they'd even put those other things in there too. And keep the old things in there. I hope they're still preaching about it. But I'm thankful I'm an independent. Some people say, oh, I'll go to a convention church. Yeah, and you'll never hear an independent Baptist preacher probably again. And you'll never hear another independent Baptist missionary again. And I'll tell you what, our independent missions went way over and above and just took over for the Southern Baptists because we did it the way God wanted it done. Not to put it into some general fund of the cooperative program and all of its 90, 80 or 90 percent of it's eaten up with secretaries and all this paperwork and all this stuff. We believe in faith missions and those workers there in the home office, they have to go and raise their own support. We send all the money to those missionaries from the churches to our missionaries. We don't take anything out. Occasionally we'll make a plea, say, boy, our general fund, we'd need some help here if you can help us out. Or get a man to go out and try to raise funds for the, for the home office. Amen. But don't take it away from this missionary and that missionary. We don't believe in that. By the way, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. And the Bible tells us that Daniel was blessed and promoted and protected and provided for. Belshazzar. Doom. He lost all in one night. The handwriting on the wall but he was using the, the vessels of the Lord God of heaven that Nebuchadnezzar, either his father or grandfather, whichever he was, it says his father often there. Sometimes it means their grandfather, but anyhow, his predecessor. He was using those things and he knew by the testimony of Nebuchadnezzar. He knew that he shouldn't be doing that. All these princesses and all this. And I'll tell you what's, what goes along with all this wine drinking is, is filthy and the flesh and pleasure and sin of the flesh. They go hand in hand. The Bible says in Hosea, whoredom and wine and new wine take away the heart. But what? That very night Belshazzar lost everything. I have a sermon. Don't mess with God's silverware. Or leave God's things alone. Drinking wine out of God's vessels out of the temple. Oh, God will do something. He'll rise up and write something on the wall for you, friend. But all oh, that wine, isn't that a terrible thing? How many people it's destroyed? It says, uh, whoredom and wine go together. Wis uh, whoredom and wine and new wine take away the heart. Amos 2.8 And they drink the wine of the condemned in the house of their God. 
By the way, John the Baptist, as Samson was the strongest man that ever lived, the greatest man that ever lived next to Jesus was John the Baptist. And the Bible tells us in, in Luke chapter 1, verse 15, and he shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. John the Baptist was a Nazarite unto God. I believe Samuel was too. These that are dedicated to the Lord need to stay away from alcohol. And we're all priests and kings. We're all believer priests and kings. You say, that's too straight for me. Well, Jesus said, straight and narrow. He gave the law the second time, didn't he? Matthew and the Sermon on the Mount. Say, that's a little too strict for me. It says, broad and winding is the, broad is the, wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction and many there be which go in thereat. Jesus said that. But straight is the gate, narrow is the way that leads to life and few there be that find it. We're on the straight and narrow. Pastor Magnuson's brother up there in Minnesota somewhere. And they call it the straight gate church. Hallelujah, it's a straight gate. Drunkenness of Noah, Lot, Belshazzar. You know, Eli thought that Hannah was drunk there when she was praying. I'm glad he was wrong. But Eli didn't think much of drunkenness, did he? He said, put away your wine. I think these verses are right. This is the last, 1 Corinthians 6. Look here with me, please. Just a couple other verses and we'll be through. 1 Corinthians. New Testament. Because most of this is, was Old Testament. 1 Corinthians 6, 5 and 6. 5, 11, first of all. 1 Corinthians 5, 11. Look there with me, please. If you have a Bible. Knowing, therefore... No, I'm 2 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 5 and verse number 11. 5.11 says, Now, but now, I have written unto you, not to keep company, if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, or a covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard. If you don't drink anything, you're not going to be a drunkard. He's called a brother or an extortioner. That means taking excessive interest, I believe there. And then it says an idolater. You know what that is, idol worship, covetous. Oh my, we shouldn't even, we should not be covetous. We should not want what other people have. Hello? Be very careful about that. My brother, I got a microwave for my wife. She did a lot of cooking. I don't think my brother's wife did much cooking. But he was always a step, of, a step ahead of his younger, two-year younger brother. And he had the big job, and I didn't have any job. I said, I'm going to go buy my wife a microwave. It wasn't a month or two, and he had one for his wife. Sometimes you'll buy a new car. Someone else has to go out and get another new car. That's not wise. Amen? But Pastor Hammonds doesn't do that kind of stuff. I say that again. Pastor Hammonds doesn't do that kind of foolishness. He waits and buys a car when God wants him to buy a car. That's the spiritual way. I don't care how much money you have. Just because someone else gets one, don't you go get a newer one. 
Amen? I knew a lady in our church in New York, and I got, I got one of these, uh, I mean, we had a house that you'd freeze to death in. You'd freeze in this house. It was humongous. It was a castle. <laughs> our church building right next door to it. Linda remembers that. That's when you slept out in the car, and we almost forgot you all night, Linda. Thank the Lord she squalled in the morning. Oh, my Linda's out of the doorstep. We forgot her when you have a bunch of kids. Mm. And we were up there and we got, we, we got these electric blankets because it was cool. Someone else had to get one the next month, you know. Hmm? We got a van up in New York. We got a van. This is, this is a fact. I'm t- I've told some of our people this before, but I'm telling you, it's... You do not need to be covetous. I don't care if you're the richest person in this church. Instead, you need to be like Brother Dormany over here. Amen? Says this thing's got over 200 and some thousand miles on it. Amen? Get what God wants you to get. We got a van up in New York. We were praying for months for a van. And we got this van, and it was so new and so nice that some of the people who are supposedly going out trying to find one for us wouldn't even go outside and look at it because it was nicer than what they had. And it wasn't our personal van. It was the church van. That's stupid. And that's not all. It's covetous, too. You ought to thank God. You ought to say, it'd be nice if the church had a, had a brand new van for the glory of God and the praise of God. And someone comes up and says, I'm going I'm to put all the lettering on it for nothing for you, too. You ought to rejoice when other people get vehicles and just thank God you have one yourself. Now, we're all prone. We're all prone to want so much because we all have too much to begin with. I said we all have too much to begin with. The problem is we want more after we have too much to begin with. What we need to do is we need the power of God to go out and win sinners to Jesus. That's what we need. We need to get on our knees and learn how to pray. And read the Bible and become authorities and, and be like Eon Paisley said, you preacher boys, you know the Bible better than anyone else in your congregation. You study that book, know that book, know that English Bible. He says, or a drunkard, or a railer, a drunkard, or extortioner, and with such and one know not to eat. If a brother, if a brother, by the way, that person that was in our church, and I love him in the Lord, but I asked him, I said, have you ever been drunk since you, were, you became a Christian? He was trying to justify alcohol. I said, yes, or have you ever drunk alcohol? And I think he said he'd been drunk too. Sorry, I'll take my road. But you even have, a, as a pastor, you have to, I, I was thinking if he, if he didn't get his act together, get gone, get on down the road soon, we're going to have to confront him. We're not having people doing that and, and telling all our single soldiers what he thinks about drinking alcohol. No, you just go down to the next church and, and, and you'll give account to God for what you do down there too. Hmm? Hello? Chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. 6, 9 and 10 in 1 Corinthians. 6, 9 and 10. Look at this now. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God, but be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of, of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards. There it is again in the same book. A little later in the epistle, the letter. Nor revivals nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God, and such were some of you. There's that verse. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. 
Our Father, we thank Thee for Thy love. We pray, Our Father, we would uh, hate the alcohol that would destroy us and destroy our children and cause and claim the lives of so many precious ones that we even know and knew personally. Our Father, help us to hate it. Help us, dear Lord, when we think we stand. Take heed lest we fall. May we treat it. Though, Lord, I've never been involved with it. Dear God, I don't ever want to be involved with it. I don't want anything, anything to do with it. I don't want anything to do with immorality. I want to keep to my wife. I want to keep to thee, Lord. I want to keep in my Bible. I want to keep my knees on the floor. I want to learn more about prayer and fasting and everything about thee, Lord. I want to learn more about heaven. I want to, I want to learn more about hell so I can tell people to avoid that place like we tried to do this morning. Our Father, help us to stay away from this that could distort our thinking and cause us to look at other women instead of our wife and our God, our Christ, our Savior, our Redeemer, our Father. Help us to not even want to handle it, not even want to be a part of it, and teach us the same with, with tobacco, our Father. Help us. How we need help, we ask and pray in Jesus' name.